This morning's Dharma talk is titled. Before I give you a, t- a title, I'd like to say, and ask questions. Give me a few minutes to talk about it, but I'm all about questions. That you, you will help, we will help, we do this mutually, to go back, to go down to this material. So if I, if I don't get many uh, responses, or uh, it just makes it harder for me, so help me out here. So the title of the Dharma talk is something that is that comes up all the time, all over the place, in the form of Sanskrit words like Tathagatagarbha, Dharmata, Dharmadhatu. Um, the t- title of the talk is Buddha Nature, the, the, the nature of awakening. And this is a, this is a, it's a concept, so, but it is so much more than just a concept. It is something that you can, we all can realize. Uh, until we realize it, it seems to be necessary to do a lot of very relative situation, practice, train our mind, see what's moving, see what's coming and going, without adding, subtracting, or dividing. It's difficult because the self-centered mind, the ego mind, wants something else, the very nature of uh, human beings, uh, according to the Buddha, which is what this is, lineage is about these teachings, teachings of Buddha, awakened truth, Buddha Dharma, is to see what is true. And he helped us out a little bit. He gave us some, uh, some concepts. Uh, everything is definitely risen. There's no solid, separate being or a person or object anywhere. And uh, that's the relative way of describing it. The ultimate way of describing it uh, can't be described. So we come as close as we can. So we say Buddha nature, awakened nature. And understanding or realizing or when Buddha nature shows up, it will not be an experience contrasted to the way you were. If it actually does show up, which is just as relevant way of saying something that doesn't show up. Something is already the case, doesn't need to show up. But we go at this with the uh, various kinds of uh, techniques or processes, and that's why there are so many different schools, and that's why the, the Buddha, before, before his parinirvana, or before he passed away, and whatever happened, uh, he left his students a kind of... Uh, not too sure what to do. He said, you should get rid of some of those uh, 250 precepts. But not all of them, keep a few. But he didn't tell them which ones, according to the tradition. And he made he was so vague, after being so specific for, what, 40 years or more, uh, at the end he was so vague that uh, uh, some people uh, kind of uh, misunderstand what that was about. That was deliberate. He wanted there to be 18 different schools shooting out after 100 years or so. Just guess what? Come on. But because he did that, he those are called seeds. He didn't have to. He didn't come up with a specific Buddha nature that everybody has to do it this way. No, he basically said, uh, "I'm leaving. Uh, work it out." Left, died. Work out your salvation with diligence. Find out who you are. He didn't say worship the Buddha, although a person may have to take on that kind of an approach to even connect with the whole thing. And sometimes in the Tibetan tradition, this is called the guru, or the, the satguru, or true teacher. And that works to some extent, and in other ways, it's irritating. So it's taught in a very relative way, so we can get our so our ego mind can actually enter into. You can't enter into this uh, particularly without the structure of ego and without looking at the structure of ego, passion, aggression, ignorance. Uh, the 12 links in the chain of existence, which you could study, which we study, uh, all of that material here every day. So it's not, uh, there's different ways of pointing at this. Uh, one of the ways that I can point to it and that others have, not that I'm certainly not the first, but nothing happens. You don't become someone else. You just stop lying to yourself. Does that mean you stop lying? No, you just stop lying to yourself. You should ask questions if you don't understand. Buddha nature is not something that you can can show up that you could suddenly remember how you didn't have Buddha nature. So there's no memory of being self-centered, egotistical, and being uh, whatever, murderer, liar, thief, cheating people. There's no memory of it. Not that you don't have a memory of it, but it's not a memory that you have. You should ask questions if you don't understand. Go ahead. You often say that you haven't gotten rid of anything and you couldn't teach if that wasn't the case. I couldn't teach if I was somebody other than who I was uh, when I was born. And neither can you. If you think you can, then you'll 
that you'll promote yourself on some level, some level thinking you have something other people don't have. The Buddha couldn't teach if when the Buddha awoke, uh, we we're all there. You're all we're all there. You're not separate from that. Wake up to it by seeing how asleep you are. That didn't answer your question, so I'll paraphrase it. You often say you have to teach out of the same situations that we're going through. I teach out of what I'm looking at. I, I don't plan anything other than somebody, that person right there, asking me what what is your karma talk title. And then I ask Gunyo, what should I talk about? And then she says, I don't know. <laughs> she says, don't you have a list somewhere? <laughs> so it just, it just shows up somehow. I don't know. It's not particularly weird or magical. It just shows up. Shoka. What is the difference between lying to yourself and lying? Same thing. How do you not lie to yourself, but lie? See that they're the same thing. The ego mind is always looking for something else. It separates. The very nature of confusion is separation. And when I say, don't do it, I know you can't help but do it. I can't help do it. I can't help but lie to myself. Is there an active component to Buddha nature? How does it differ from... Here it comes. Go ahead. The ego that makes decisions and... Same thing. Same thing. Buddha nature is happening here. It's not just... I'm just doing this because this is my function. You're doing that because this, that's your function. Go ahead. Try to question. <laughs> Whose head is shaking? Yes. So if we can't help but lie to ourselves, what is awakening? Seeing that you lie. Seeing, that, seeing, seeing relative truth for what it is. It's relative truth. And if you see deeply into that, it will begin to empty out. And then if you, it's called emptiness or shunyata. And then... If you continue to look at that, if you conclude something like, I must be awake, I see emptiness, I see that every, everything is meaningless or empty or doesn't have a point or doesn't have a handle, doesn't have a flag, doesn't have a uh, tenant or a tennis court. Go ahead. So how can someone who truly sees emptiness relate to the concept of emptiness? The relationship is done. The relationship is over with. I mean, I'm not saying things don't come and go and we don't, you know... If you walk down the hallway and you need to go to the kitchen to get some tea or something, your their relationship are very temporary. So they just show up and vanish. So they look uh, like relationships as long as there's something that needs to be done. Most people who are not clear about this because they have not trained their mind, even when everything stops, they continue to rotate. This is what sitting on the cushions with wall gazing is about. Sit down, hold still. And notice that something else keeps going. After this, not want that. I like this. I don't like that. That's good. This shouldn't be happening. Why am I feeling this way? Why don't I ever get this or get that? I don't deserve this. Or that person shouldn't have said that. Or I shouldn't have said that to that person. I need to clean up my act. Or I need to figure this out. That's very good. Please keep coming. So do we produce those ruminations? Do we produce them? They're produced. It looks like we're producing them. Because it looks like there's somebody who is the producer and somebody who's the receiver. It's just any kind of grasping uh, immediately separates and isolates everything from everything else. And then we come up with concepts about it. The first words out of the Buddha's mouth, as far as we know, is life is suffering. We immediately start to argue with that rather than look at, is it? Is life suffering? People will say who are lost in their thought patterns and their process in their mind, they will say, well, that's nihilistic. Of course, life isn't suffering. Sometimes we have a lot of fun. Sometimes there's parties. Sometimes there's pleasure. It's separating. It's more separation. Sometimes it's actually suffering all the time until you see that the the nature of time doesn't actually contribute too much to that. (laughs) Keep coming. (laughs) I need your help. I don't know where else to go. I like that. Is that a question? Where else can I go? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just answered. Yes, sir. What contributes to suffering? A desire. The wish for something else. We want things to be different than they are. Things are a certain way. For everyone here, they're a certain way. And you'll notice how you don't exactly like that. You don't exactly, maybe you don't dislike it. But there's something off. Something, you need something else or something more. So that, that may function to... Uh, confuse you to take you in circles, but if you're a practitioner, if you're if you're spending some time uh, unplugging the basic uh, apparatus of uh, self-centeredness or ego, 
the discursive mind that keeps uh, spinning in circles and looking for something else, something else, something else, something better, something bigger, something smaller. <laughs> Three at once. Say to. How do you keep striving towards realization or Buddha nature, whatever, um, without grasping those concepts? Okay, good. So this is important. All you have to do is watch that you grasp it. But the ego mind, the self-centered mind, the seventh consciousness, the one that's full of self-reference and pride and everything else that seems to be hidden, as soon as it sees anything functioning, instead of just uh, having a little bit of generosity there, in other words, give it your attention. You don't have to do anything with it. If you try to clean up your act, then it provi- then it provides you with the with the saw the uh, that particular uh, ego structure or klesha mind with some kind of someone who's doing that, someone who's trying to get somewhere. It's called spiritual materialism by taking what you see and trying to move it into something better, trying to get rid of that. It's not about getting rid of anything. It's just about fun. This is this is why the Buddha taught the way he taught. He saw what this was and he saw that it was painful and difficult for people. And he said, life is suffering, the cause is desire, the goal is cessation, and the path is train your mind, shila, samadhi, and prajna, discipline, meditation, wisdom. And then there's a bunch of other ones that I generally don't use because I don't like numbers. Yes? Uh, From Ethan in New York City. Ethan. He asks, um, you have the memory, but you don't have it. What does that mean? It doesn't belong to anyone. So there's no ownership, there's no someone who's remembering uh, if that's, I'm not sure if that's what you're asking. Was he making a statement? Of, were, Ethan, were you making a statement about yourself? Or asking me a question? Or was this preparing for your comedy act? Okay. He's a comedian, so I can say it. Not even in Boston. Yes, did you? A question from Raphael in New York. Yes. In Buddhist literature or Zen stories, there does seem to be a something that happens, that causes a profound sense of well-being, peace, and insight. We don't hear too many stories of Buddhist masters or the Buddha becoming upset because someone spat at them. Do you think enlightenment stories and their promise of peace and happiness is why people judge their zazen as being off? Could be. I don't promise anything. I might go the other way. I might have to suffer forever. I'm not going to interfere with the karma that you need to look at in order to awaken, in order to see clearly what this is. I don't promise anything. <laughs> I'm sometimes amazed that somebody even stays here, using any promises. A lot of that, uh, those things about being at peace and being happy and being all that, that's a... Uh, mm, I'm, not, I'm not saying you couldn't say that in some ways, and a lot of uh, teachers do talk about it in that way, but I think that's, that's uh, disrespectful. To people's, uh, uh, it, it it separates it out into the, the before and after. Um, I don't have, have any memory of being uh, of being enlightened or being crazy. I don't have any memory of it. I teach out of what this is. I don't teach out of as somebody who knows something you don't. More about that. You want to read that again, just in case I missed something. In Buddhist literature or Zen stories, there does seem to be a something that happens that causes a profound sense of well-being, peace, and insight. We don't hear too many stories of Buddhist masters or the Buddha becoming upset because someone spat at them. I'm ready to respond. Okay, so there are lots of stories out there. The the ones I tend to like, uh, and I I can't always remember who said it, but somebody, I think in the 17th century, a a teacher uh, said... uh, uh, well, now that I'm finally enlightened, I'm just as miserable as ever. I like that story. It's not different. Separating confusion from awakening, separating uh, sanity from insanity, and separating uh, delusion from Buddha nature or samsara from nirvana is a misunderstanding. It's not that you couldn't separate that some if you were, uh, depending on how you met someone, you might emphasize that. With some people, you really need to emphasize that because they're in a God realm where they think nothing is wrong, everything is fine. Why should I meditate? I feel great. And of course, what would I say? If they looked like they wanted me to say something, I, I might I might say something else. But I also might just shut up and respect their confusion. Not by saying you're confused, but by, by saying, very good, I hope everything goes well for you. Good luck, or something. Not being sarcastic. I don't want to interfere with someone's confusion, even though it might look like confusion to me. Uh, on a relative scale, ultimately it looks like Buddha nature. I don't see anybody but the Buddha. 
this is not a bragging point for me. Come and step on my foot and see if I don't hit you. So it's not about cleaning up your act. It's about being genuine. You need to be genuine with this karma. Don't miss your life. Don't try to be a special person. Try to find out who you actually are, not separate from your karma. This doesn't mean you go off and abuse people because I said so. I'm not saying that. Good question. Go ahead. Uh, me? Tim? Tim? Tim, yeah. Uh, I'd like to take a practical approach. So, um, acting in my day-to-day life out of a Buddha nature versus acting out of an ego-based center. Now, we know meditation is the first step towards acting more out of a Buddha nature. No, we don't. We don't know that? No. Do you, you want to teach? I was going to... My question is, what what action steps do I take to, to act more out of a Buddha nature than out of an ego nature? Meditate. Meditate. Is, okay. No, you were correct. I, I, I jumped in there <laughs> thinking you were going in a different direction. But. Okay, so meditation is the first step. Yeah, you... Probably the first step is uh, from the way it looks here, because it wouldn't happen. I didn't know. I was trying to meditate before I met my teacher. but So I'm kind of biased. I think you need to find a teacher. Oh, okay. You need to find somebody that you can maybe not trust, but at least uh, give the benefit of the doubt to. If you can't give them the benefit of the doubt, then, you know, at least listen. You know, consider what's being said. Um, this doesn't mean that you shouldn't... Uh, you shouldn't uh, give some... Uh, Give the benefit of the doubt to your own paranoia too. I wouldn't step, I wouldn't step into some place uh, that's a cult. If they make any demands on you, then it is cult-like. I'm not saying it's a cult, but if there's some kind of strong requirement, um, you know your karma may take you into that, and that may be the only thing you do is follow Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, who, by the way, was probably an enlightened master. There's uh, lots of students, and they tend to get things kind of screwed up. Question here, Michael. What is the necessity of giving the teacher what? the what? Uh, ability to, uh, I lost the word. Good. Progress. Why is that, inter- why do you consider that interaction progress? It's, a, it's funny. It's a joke. Okay. No, not competing with Ethan. <laughs> Stand up. No, give, give me the question. I kind of say, why, is it about a teacher? Or? It's about... The ability to tr- to uh, be open with the teacher. Why is that part of the uh, so, okay? Go ahead. Part of the relationship that you 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 say it all the time. And I, I do. What do I say? That's the part I can't get. Is repeat you right at this moment. Uh, so well, let's go to another question then. Anyone else? Tune shoot. Question from Shane in California. Yes, Shane. What is left over in a mind that is absent delusion? Might, uh, it depends on if, if the person uh, is a person who's living a human life. So it could be, could be delusion. could be all kinds of things. could be almost anything. What is missing is uh, the grasping, the fixation. One actually is able to live one's karma. You, I sometimes say you're not, if you meditate uh, from now on forever, you're not going to change the shape of your ears. You're not going to get rid of the karma that brought you into this uh, sphere. So stop fighting with yourself. I, I just gave a talk recently that said, don't improve. And the talk was kind of feeble. I blame you guys for that. You need to ask me questions about it. Please drag it out of me. Yes. Does grasping and fixation change? The, what those concepts refer to is brought into a really brilliant light. So your karma, you may, you may, uh, You'll see it, but you may be able to enter, stop the fixation. You might just have to witness it from now on. I don't know what karma you. I don't know what, how many lifetimes brought you to this, uh, this uh, mandala. So uh, there's no there's no, no specificity around individual. I would just say just be genuine. Just be who you are, and and, and combine it with a strong awareness practice. So you sit down, hold still, and you sharpen that aspect. To put it very relatively, that aspect of your mind that just Observes. This can be really challenging. You don't want to find yourself with a, a pistol in your hand, standing in front of a counter, holding uh, holding somebody up for money. That's the kind of thing we're afraid of. Of course, we're not going to do that. I say, of course, maybe, but I doubt it. 
but but the negativity that begins to arise, we start to protect ourselves. In ancient times, it was called uh, discipline, morality, and all kinds of things with so much control going on. You don't need to do that. Now, I'm not saying you don't need strong forms, but they need to show up in a relative way in this relative culture in combination of who knows how many different things are coming together to produce. What an unusual culture. This has never been like this before, where you can talk to somebody. Uh, I could go and get on the WhatsApp and talk to somebody, somebody in Europe right away, immediately. Go ahead. Shane has another question. Better be a good one. How is it that you are so good at not interfering with people's karma? Is that a compliment? <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I, uh, I would say to give you a because... It's just I, I see that that's the only way I can't I can't stop being who I am, and that and that that kind of situation is uh is just uh everything is tumbling around all the time. There's just nobody in there to be tumbled. So the tumbling continues. The the motions of passion, aggression, ignorance, grasping, fixation, everything may still because you're not interfere, interfering with what's uh, the fancy word is pratita samudpada or dependent origination, the, the dependently arisen character of everything. Some parts of it are like leaves, some parts of it are like ants, some parts of it are like human beings, some parts are mountains. We, we name these things and we separate everything out and then we and then we add more thoughts on what we're going to do with it. Is it our garden? Is it our um, deer that we just shot? Is it uh, Are these our clouds in the sky? That's why I sometimes use the metaphor of looking at the clouds in the sky and seeing they're none of your business. They're, they're interesting, they're magnetizing, sometimes they're frightening, depending on the weather. But just treat your own thoughts the same way. Weather. So that, so things may come and may go, but there's no solid being. If you see there is no self, in the skandhas, form, feeling, um, perception, concept, consciousness, and there's no other out there, you begin to see there's no other person, even though there's solid beings everywhere who think they're somebody. So, more? more? There's a, a question from Laura and Trevor City. Okay. How does one cut desire while off the cushion? Just just observe. If there's someone cutting it, that's uh, spiritual materialism. And that's trying to get, trying to be somebody else, trying to get somewhere, trying to be less that way. You need to watch what I'm not saying. You can't be less uh, materialistic or less grasping or less less fixated. But the way that uh, is going to show up, if it does show up at all, is by looking at the identity of someone who's doing that, because that's the that's the primary. Delusion, the primary misunderstanding, the primary um, ignorance is thinking there is someone. This is the first of uh, the, the, the 12 links on the chain of existence is ignorance. Ignorance forms. So we have ignorance and then forms or formations or some scars begin to happen. So just look at the self-centeredness. You sit down and you watch what's happening. As soon as you see what's happening, as soon as you stop adding, subtracting, and dividing, it'll start to open up and be empty. A little bit different for everyone. And then you can see me. Is there someone there? You're what you know. The witnessing is easy. It's happening all the time. But is there a witness? Is there someone? So, just observe. It. How, how do you live your karma? Stop arguing with yourself. Pardon me. Stop arguing with yourself about things or agree. Don't argue. Don't don't disagree. Don't agree. Don't look away. And that's that's pretty challenging. That's a lifetime practice. Go ahead. So living with your karma is witnessing or observing your karma. Is that the correct? Statement? Until there's no observer, yes. And I didn't hear your less. Until there's no observer, you Until observe there's because no it, observer. there's an imputation that well, I'm looking at the, the sunlight coming through the window and hitting the bench and hitting uh, Shoto's uh, notebook. Uh, there's somebody looking at that, isn't there? Just because there's a body here, body mind complex, six sense fields and their objects, sight, sound, smell, taste, touch. There's all kinds of reification coming from relative truth. But who you are ultimately, you, I mean, you could. If, if um, any one of us uh, were to die, if I were to die right this moment, nothing would, ha would happen, something would happen to you, but nothing would happen to me. Nothing would happen to you either, unless your mind was tied up in knots, then you would totally ignore that the, you just died. That the, you just went back into that, because who you are, who you actually are, is uh, put in nature. It doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't arise, it doesn't fall away. If you, if you continue to ignore it, then you'll continue to spin. Don't do it. See what this is. Sit down, hold still, spend some time. Don't do it for me. Do it for your, your ancestors. Do it for the Buddha. Do it for Nagarjuna. Do it for Dharmakirti. Do it for Sekitokisan, or whatever they call him. Did I get his name right? 
I mean, actually, you can find this is what the Bodhisattva path is about. Is even though we're working on ourselves, we're working on ourselves, and we find out we can't do this. That's the Hinayana path. Uh, we can't really do this because we're ignoring uh, the fundamental nature of this, which is not separate. We keep thinking we're a special person who's going to attain enlightenment, and other people else, everybody else, is on their own. Until you become a Mahayanist, and then you realize that you aren't separate from anybody. You can't attain enlightenment unless everybody awake, awakes up. You have to see that everybody's awake. With a Buddha's awakening, I wasn't there, but if I was there, so were you. What the Buddha saw is everywhere he looked, he saw awake, the awakening. I just I understood this in 1977. I was in a solitary retreat. I I woke, sat up, looked around, and, and saw. I saw it, and then the concept came. And here's the concept, which is it's much separate from what I saw. Nothing sleeps. <laughs> nothing. Nothing is ever sleep. But it's taken 40, 40 plus years to be able to understand deeply what that is. Do you like sunlight? On occasion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought maybe you're protecting your because of the light radiating I'm, out of my ears. I can't, I can't talk when the lights shine on me in the eye for some reason. I don't know. I guess I can Go after all. Go ahead. Go ahead. We use the word relative. Relative to what? Each other. No, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Something, or, something, something, or, well, let's, yeah. let's ask no, this question. That's a good idea. I'm, 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 I'm uh, observing, and something arises. Okay, where does it arise from? Is there a source? That's none of your business. It's really not. I don't know how else to say it more directly. It's none of your business. Just look at the arising, and then what? And then that's just just observe, and then you will get information. You could call it information about how to proceed. So there's there's no observer, but that that is imputed. You have an imputation or a, the imaginary nature. There's somebody. If there's pain. There must be somebody feeling the pain. If there's hearing. Must be somebody hearing. Must be. Must be. Must be. Because we see something else out there, and we're receiving uh, a cardinal in the trees. We go, oh, it's a cardinal, and we just uh, that immediately <coughs> gives us a three dimensional world in time and space, which is an illusion. How can we relate to grasping and fixation on cessation of suffering? So it's taught different ways. The way I talk about it is the the, the suffering itself doesn't cease, particularly. But we need to talk about it, or the, it's been taught down through the centuries, including the Buddha. As it doesn't, what ceases is the is that there's someone suffering. There's someone. There's just their nerve endings. So you're going to have pain, but but suffering is is extra. It's, it's fighting with the natural hierarchy of everything. You have nerve endings. You're going to feel. Uh, it might feel nice if a feather goes over your hand, and it might feel if a railroad spike goes over your hand. It's going to same nerve endings. So bring your question closer, based on that. If I see myself grasping and fixated on mm -hmm. awakening, mm -hmm. how do what do I do? Just just receive, just continue. It's like my if you, if you say that, I'm just saying you're you're not. That's called the path. There's the threefold logic: ground, suffering, the path, training the mind, and and fruition, seeing what is true. And uh, even though it works uh, as a, a ground, beginning, uh, the middle, and the end, uh, fundamentally those all aren't separate. Once you realize what this is, uh, there is no ground. There is no, there is no path. There is no realization. The sutras say it all the time. The Diamond Sutra says it over and over. It kind of rubs it right in your face. And then the Heart Sutra just creates a rug and then yanks it. And that's what the that's what the teacher does. Question from Bosker in Texas. Bosker. This is going to be a hard one. <laughs> How is an enlightened bodhisattva helping others different from one who is not enlightened helping others? Aren't they both acting from duality? Yes. Was that his question? Yes, they are. So what is different? Is there some difference? I don't know. Find out. That's for you, Bosker. Find out. You could turn that around and come back with another question. It's a very difficult question to approach in a in a, a thorough way. So I have to wait for you to refine that because you you asked me the question, and then you gave me a aren't they isn't that just this? So okay, give me that. Ask me an open ended question right right right. Need to say something? Yes. What sees fixation? Again, we're tied up with relative truth. We're tied up with language and concepts and so on. So 
the, the witnessing itself, the, the open dimension in which uh, uh, fixation is, you could say, witnessed, then that sees it. But there's no identity, there's no solid being there. There's no person who sees it. So just the openness sees it. You could say Buddha, Buddha nature sees it. Do you need a concept more? Yes. Uh, William Murray has a kind of a follow-up question. With no person in the skandhas, what is the belief that we are a person? So the skandhas, the form, feeling, perception, concept of the thinking process, I like it, I don't like it, it's good, it's bad, it shouldn't be, it should be, and consciousness of the six sense fields and their objects that come back through and, and, and hit the body or reaffirm there's someone here that is hearing, someone here that is feeling, smelling, tasting. And uh, what was the question? With no person in the skandhas, what is the belief that we are a person? It's just that. We see this, this is, that happens, and this happens, and then we, then we assume there's some kind of space between things that are coming and going. Somebody, you can't just have that without nothing there. And, and that is propelled by uh, hope and fear, hope that things will get better, fear they're going to get worse, and the grasping uh, passion, rejecting uh, aggression, and shutting down, ignoring, turning away, distracting ourselves, which is uh, ignorance. So there's no solid being. Another way of talking about it is those five skandhas, traditional teaching, uh, goes way back to the Buddha and, and before, uh, that those get together. It's like a, um, it's like three little beings, they're all holding on the hands. That, that By themselves, if you, if you look at it, it's even taught this way. If you just look at form, there's no, there's no one there. If you just look at feeling, there's no actual feeler there. Uh, if you, there's a, a perception, there's no actual perceiver there. And there's no, uh, there's no conceptualizer there. And then the, the, the consciousness is without its, its uh, the six sense fields, all this ha ha operating all at, all at once. If you if begin to see the separations in there, uh, then we see that the, the coming together, the grasping that comes together between form, feeling, perception, concept, and consciousness makes up a being. It is said traditionally that when the five skandhas enter the six realms, uh, the human realm, the jealous god realm, the god realm, the animal realm, the hungry ghost realm, and the hell realm, this is called a living being. So if you see what those are, uh, you don't come back here. I'm not saying you might not go somewhere. Maybe you go to a completely pure land. Maybe you go into hell to save beings. If you receive the Bodhisattva vow, you might spend the rest of, uh, what do they call that? Eternity. Yeah. The one with the clock with no hands. In hell, saving sentient beings who are at war with each other. This is actually a human realm because there's curiosity, but this could turn into a, a hell realm immediately. You all, you all have been at a kitchen table where suddenly everything was just fine, turns into hell, or maybe you haven't. Maybe it was in your garage or in your yard or over your neighbor's fence, yes. Question from Gary from Traverse City. Yes, Gary. If being genuine and encompassing our Buddha nature is our natural state, why then is it so difficult to see? Because of the conditioning, because of karma, causes and conditions. Uh, um, for instance, the way you were raised, the, the way you were treated, um, but not limited to that because your consciousness uh, isn't limited to just this particular manifestation of this body. This, And I'm not promoting this at all. This is not something you believe in. I certainly don't believe it. But something is happening uh, before this lifetime happened for each one of us. You may not be able to remember it, but you don't remember what happened uh, last Thursday at 2 in the afternoon, or do you? Because if you do, I want to hear about it. Because I don't remember anything. Yes. Is the human realm the only realm where we can see where we are? Because there's curiosity there, and the, the, the heaven realm is so proud of itself. It's just, you know, as the example I always use is uh, someone who's very successful, who has a perfect golf game, who has two children with perfect SAT scores, has a Harley on one side of the garage, and a you know, a couple of Mercedes and Alfa, Alfa Romeo, or, you know, or maybe they have a helicopter, you know, and, and, and their marriage is perfect. can't understand why someone else has so much difficulty with their marriage. Is good. Why would I meditate? I would say, don't meditate. Bosker says... <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> I don't know how to ask my question without it being a why question. That's okay. This question is, why does an enlightened person need to help others? So, just put it very conventionally and very uh, graphically, the enlightened person uh, doesn't see anyone else. But 
what the enlightened person sees very graphically is people who don't realize who they are. They don't realize they're Buddha nature. So they're spinning. And if they spin over towards you and they say, can you help me? Then you would say, perhaps. What do you need? I'm suffering. I'm miserable. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. And I was, then you, you would check and see if you had, if you were able to meet that person in their confusion. See if you had permission. No propaganda. This would mean you wouldn't, if the person asks you, what do you do? You might say, I meditate. You also might not. Just don't, please. You might, you might, you could say any number of things depending on who you were meeting. But you, you wouldn't see, uh, you would see the suffering, but you would say it's unnecessary. That people are, are missing their life, not, not even enjoying that aspect of their life that might be not so bad because they're so busy fighting, trying to get something else, something else, something else. This is what the sitting practice of meditation is sometimes called voluntary suffering. You're not only suffering, uh, your default suffering that, that is going on in your life, but also you, in a meditation environment or the, in a monastery like this, is, which is meant for this, so you can volunteer to, volunteer to come in and sit down, hold still, and watch the confusion so that you can get more and more clear. It uh, has a progressive uh, way of showing up, but it's different with each person. And then you eventually, uh, you continue, you'll eventually begin, to, because you're looking at it, you're not adding to it. Don't do the math, just have them, whatever's showing up is showing up is showing up. If it's coming towards you, it doesn't mean that you're guilty, you've got it coming, but it means that uh, it's uh, something for you to look at, you should look. And so, you, but you don't interfere with someone, even though someone is suffering, you don't interfere without their permission, don't get in the way of someone's karma. But if they turn to you, and they're suffering, then, of course, you, through the vow, I vow to be with all things. I vow to save all beings. But that doesn't mean you, you turn into some kind of a, um, who just does good, because they, they like the feeling of being a good, helping person. This is a misunderstanding, and it's a very subtle form of pride and self-centeredness. And if you, if you go in that direction, you'll kind of make a nest there, because then people will tell you how helpful you are. They actually get in the way of your awakening by complimenting you. Someone is awake, uh, you can't compliment them. I'm not saying you can't, but they won't see much. And it's the same thing when you criticize them. They'll see it, and they may even consider what you're saying, but it, it, there's, no, there's nothing particular happening as far as someone who is uh, feeling picked on. They, they're more likely to see your confusion, because quite often, anytime you do anything, unless you understand who this is, you're just displaying your own neurosis. That's why it seems to be necessary to have a teacher. I certainly needed one, still need one. And I have one. Where's my teacher at? Right here. Everywhere I look. Don't get too puffed up. Well, there's a lot of hands. <laughs> Let's all clap. No. Who is <laughs> uh, first? Go ahead, Michael. What is the importance of giving the teacher the benefit of the doubt? Because that, if you want to be a student, then that might be a good thing to do. But if you, if you can't do that, then but don't do anything unless you have to. I'm not here to try to get anybody to do this particularly. What is the function of that? Uh, then then you, you're basically saying is, uh, I think I might want to learn something. I want, want to understand. Looks like you might understand something or know something that I don't quite understand. So, yeah, that kind of thing. So you're just, and you might actually ask, uh, can I be a student of yours? You might just start functioning as a student. Um, my, my first teacher, I, Trungpa Rinpoche, I never did ask him. I was so overwhelmed and so terrified of him because I felt like, I, when I saw him, I felt like he was looking through me or looking at all my garbage that I had been unsuccessful at dealing with. And then, of course, Coben, and I heard that story, my Zen master, uh, just ignored me. You know, I asked him and asked him and he would just turn away or get distracted or do something else or make excuses why he couldn't talk to me. That's the best thing he could have done. At that time, yes. What is the benefit of entering into that relationship if what you're going to do is pull the rug out from under you? No benefit. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it unless you have to. You've heard me say this over and over again. And what does that do? What, what is that? It's called patience. Don't do anything unless you have to. If you're doing something you don't have to do, you're just kicking up smoke around the situation. Death comes without warning, and it's coming. As Trump Rinpoche said, some people will die soon, and some people will die die later. <laughs> chuckle, chuckle. Um, my question is pertaining to your statement about 
none of your business. The clouds are none of my business. My thoughts while meditating are none of my business. Now, here's where I have a problem. My thoughts while meditating seem to be circular. They go and repeat. It's like, let's say there's seven objects of thought that pertain to my everyday life. I understand. I understand. I've I've, I've been... So shouldn't I make that... Wait, 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 wait. Ask me a question. Don't... The the question is, shouldn't my thoughts while meditating be some of... be my business? No. Why not? There isn't anyone. There's no one to make it my business? Kind of. I suppose. (laughs) Just, just make it as simple as possible. Sit down, hold still, shut up, and see the way you can't quite shut up. And that's what you watch. <laughs> okay. You sit down, hold everything still. That you, body and mind are not two different things. They sure look like it, but they are not separate from each other. Okay. This finger's thinking. Go ahead. So none of my business is the simplest way to think about it. That's a good way. Because then you can use the metaphor of the clouds. Look in the sky. Interesting. Magnetizing. Good. We've all laid on our back in the grass in, the, in, the, in an August uh, afternoon or evening and watched the clouds go and just something magnetizing or soothing about watching things go without any inter- interference. Okay, good. That answers my... Yeah. So sit down and, and treat your thoughts the same way. Interesting, you should watch them, uh, but none of your business from the point of changing a shape or pushing them down. Don't, don't evaluate particularly. Don't pick and choose particularly. Okay. Or if you do pick and choose spontaneously, then just watch that. So everything is always backing up into, what is that? What is that? Any other questions? Joseph. What is it about not improving that's not the same as, um, as not spinning? So when I, when I say don't improve, I'm saying not that there won't be some improvement. You know, maybe less warfare less likely to argue with people as you're working with your own mind, you're, you're being more and more, have more and more the ability to respond or be responsible for your own emotions. You, you, you stop blaming others and you actually kind of stop blaming yourself and you have some curiosity around the texture and the feeling and quality of those things. There might be someone else might notice that you're less warlike. There might, someone else might notice that you, you listen more, but it's not a, it's not a, a something you're trying to do. So you're just you're just working with your mind as it shows up, and so there may be some um, 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 things that come along with that uh, uh, corollary kind of function or uh, activities may happen. But there, but the idea of to focus on it as trying to get better and to evaluate it, it just it keeps you in the same uh, 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 merry-go-round, you're getting better, getting worse, getting better. Anything that gets better is going to get worse. So don't improve. And if you don't understand, you should ask Joseph question, Joseph's question. Yes. A question from Elena in New York. Mm-hmm. If everything and everyone is already awake, then what is the Bodhisattva's role in this? Um, the Bodhisattva's role, if uh, which is a, about Bodhicitta, there's stages of the Bodhisattva's uh, path. The first one being seeing that there's no self, but we're still hooked on everybody else. We still might be doing some blaming, some correcting. But we see that we see that this is empty. There's no one here, so that's the first stage. And then there's I think nine or ten others. I don't use those particularly. Uh, I might use the first one or the last one. The other ones are just variations that people can think about. So the Bodhisattva's role is to, uh, um, if this has been, if they've begun to understand this, is to be with all things. That doesn't mean passive, let everything be what it is, but work with the energy as it is, where it is, without with as little projecting onto it as possible. So you may find yourself, sometimes the example I use, uh, uh, you, you begin to, uh, I don't care for this word a lot, but I'm going to use it anyway, you begin to trust the situation. You work, It's situational. You, you don't have a protocol about how to treat anything. And you don't feel like someone who knows a lot particularly, but you're able to see people and things the way they are and the way they show up. So you might look at one cardboard sign that says, help, I need hungry, need help holding that. We all see those these days because of our culture. Another person you may see holding a very similar sign or maybe different or whatever, but you, you, you just respond to it as it is, not as you think it is. So you, you may give one person, you may give them uh, two bucks, five bucks, ten bucks, twenty bucks, or, or nothing. Or you may take them home and feed them. Uh, hard to say what you would do. But plans in that area are suspicious from the point of view of self-centeredness. Another person you might look at, you might look at that and you 
uh, I often say, I'm saying now, if you don't know what to do, don't do anything. Because something is showing up there that is uh, unclear. But if you see somebody and you know, you'll know. And another person might look very similar and you'll know. Uh, it won't be like, I'm not going to give them anything. You just won't do it. You won't even come to a conclusion like, I didn't give that to that person because something about that person just, I could kind of see, because I'm kind of psychic, you know. I could kind of see that they were just going to go out and spend it on drugs. That part is none of your business. What people do with your aid or your help is none of your business. If you're trying to control the person and get them to show up as a, then you're instead of a, the self-improvement for yourself, there's already an assumption or pride that I'm so good, I don't have these difficulties, I don't, I'm not addicted, I'm doing so great, I think I'll share some of my wisdom with others. This is circular. It might look really good to others, you might show up really good on YouTube, you might show up really like a wonderful holy saint, uh, but death comes without warning, and it will happen to everyone, as far as we know. So, meet everything, or start with us, start with giving everything your attention, give this your attention. The generosity should go this way first, as it goes this way, not to. Is there yes. anything, uh, even the most uh, horrendous acts that does not arise out of Buddha nature? So as a teaching, you can't separate it. But it's, it's the confusion around it that we assume, think there's something else going on. Something needs to approve. There's a belief in time and space that is practically can penetrate that because it's a relative thing that tries to penetrate it. So therefore, it looks substantial, so it's called scientific fact. Scientific fact is just highly polished fiction. Highly what? Polished fiction. P.F. P.F. H.P.F. Please come and get me. Disagree? I'll fight. Yes. So, I think you said earlier, um, are all truths lies? Yes. Relative truth. Then how Ultimate truth is not... Is not then, in this uh, relative world, how do we um, act with uh, respect and, uh, and, and, and not get sucked into some sort of you ready? Yeah. Stop trying to get not get sucked in. Stop trying to improve. Actually notice that. Have, have some generosity. Have some, you could even say, the fancy word would be humility. Actually allow yourself to be confused. But you're not going to be able to do this and have it have it uh, work as a, as a Buddhist path unless you're training your mind. I know there are a lot of teachers that say you don't need to meditate. Some of the Advaita masters say all you need to do is just see yeah, well, maybe I'm not disagreeing with that, and go, you know, go study with them. But I'm saying the way it looks to me is you need to sit down, hold still, and watch the movement of the mind, and notice the way you add. Don't try to stop the adding, because the awareness, if you try to do anything, then the awareness that is uh, is showing up as Buddha nature, or uh, the great perfection of the Dzogchen masters. The great perfection means just, there's nothing to fix. Everything's already okay. Everything's good like it is. Even the even the fires burning, and even the, the warfare. It's not okay in what it is. It's a manifestation of suffering and ignorance and confusion that you can't add to by trying to correct. It's not a relative situation. It is a, a spiritual uh, situation that can be addressed with uh, awareness. So is all correction just delusion? Well, I don't want to go, we don't need to go another direction and then box it up so nobody gets to do anything helpful anymore. So, I mean, it's, a, it's called, that's why Buddhism is called the middle way. Not too tight, not too loose. But, you, but the add-on thing, I'm helping because, or I'm not helping because, that's the extra bundle of uh, a load of uh, rotting carrots behind you in your wagon. But just, just be general, be there. No, no, uh, no, no, uh, no production. Just reception. Just receive. 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 The Bodhisattva Avalokiteshvara, the sound observer, a look down from his uh, Tushita heaven, or whichever one of the heavens he was in. I looked down and saw the earth and saw everybody weeping. and, saw, uh, and Just an image to teach with, and, and he, she, they saw this, and tears came out, and one was white Tara, and one was green Tara. Uh, deities, a, a formation of the uh, wisdom mind that you, that some people in the tantric tradition, or the Buddhist tradition, use that as a way of working with the mind, a visualization of it. Not better than something else, just another way of working with it. People who understand this, you know, from 
even before the Buddha, are trying to understand how, how could we, since, since, we, since a person understands this, what's a good way to help people without interfering with what they need to do in their, for their life? Who is that? Picture from Ethan. Oh, it looks just like the Buddha. I have one more question, especially from someone who hasn't asked a question. Uh, yes? Your, um, this concept of uh, passion, aggression, and ignorance. The passion, to me, sounds like um, inspiration, and, and the aggression sounds like motivation. What's, 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 the, uh, what's the ignorance? Not observing? Yeah. Distracting yourself. Something you really need to look at, perhaps, something is talking to you, or there's some kind of something happening here, and because it's, it's painful or difficult, you, 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 you to distract yourself into something else, go somewhere else, maybe uh, unconsciously even. And the, gra- and the passion is there's, you know, we're not saying we shouldn't have passion or be uh, really like, enjoy something, passion for a good movie or music, of course. It's when that when that starts to be get into the service of some kind of self-centered that makes demands on everything. Same thing with uh, aggression. Some kind of a uh, strong, swift movement in a particular di- direction, either physically or mentally, emotionally, spiritually, whatever. There are lots of different levels of that, and it just depends on uh, the particular realm that one is in. So those can function. Those are not wrong. They're not something. Those actually in the Tibetan tradition, especially those are. Transmuted into wisdoms. Uh, even uh, 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 anger is transmitted into mirror-like wisdom. So the, the a- energy of anger isn't gotten rid of; it's just uh, transmuted. Fancy words for something that's uh, probably pretty simple. Yes. Why do you say that science is highly polished uh, fiction? Is it because in the um, awakened mind that it doesn't matter? No, it has to do with relative. No. no the relative and absolute are not two different things. They just look like it. So we have to talk about it that way. When I say um, body and mind are not two different things, they're just two different ways that this is showing up. So when I say it's highly polished, I'm just saying that it's always, uh, uh, consciousness always finds its own form, including science. So finds, and, and the, if there's a form there, then, then we've stopped. There's formation, and that formation is, well, the simple one we, we all know about is a, a flatter of, the earth used to be flat, well, now it's round. And then, you know, but we actually think there is an earth, and we think that it, it moves, we think there's such a thing as time, because we watch things move in something that we think is uh, stable, which is this, what, space-time continuum? Uh, but uh, as you know, and I'm not a physicist, you know, nowhere near that, obviously. Well, you might have thought I had a secret credential. <laughs> but, no, I don't, but I, I do it, I, I, teach, I don't teach out of what I know. I can't remember any of this. I can't remember much. So I just teach out of how this looks, and it looks like there isn't anything particular. It doesn't mean it's empty, but there's no solid, separate thing anywhere, any person. And so... When I say highly polished, it just means that people, the fallback's position is, well, it's scientific. Even the Dalai Lama said, well, Buddhism is this teaching, and science comes along and disproves it. We can change Buddhism to fit science. And I would say, uh, yes and no, a little bit, but not too much. Uh, because if you, if you grasp at a conclusion of anything, uh, here's how a conclusion looks. Oh, and now I know what it is. <laughs> I was such a fool. <laughs> 